Sup, you beautiful bastards. Hope you've had a fantastic Tuesday. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show, and let's just jump into it. And the first thing that we're gonna talk about today, I, I can't believe we're having to talk about this again. And since apparently everybody else on the internet is scared to say it, once again, I will preach it from the rooftops. Racism is bad. I mean, it was an honor just to be nominated. No, but the, the reason I'm doing this bit again is because of this controversy surrounding Saturday Night Live. As you might've seen last Thursday, you had SNL announcing three new cast members for its upcoming 45th season. You had Shane Gillis, Chloe Fineman, and Bowen Yang. And initially it was actually Yang that had most of the spotlight. There was a lot of praise pouring in, people excited for him to be the only Asian American regular on the show. Also joining Kate McKinnon as one of the show's two openly gay regulars. But then the focus shifted to Shane Gillis over the past few days. And that is because of a series of podcasts that he made with fellow comedian Matt McCullough called Matt and Shane's Secret Podcast. One of the first of these clips that went viral was Gillis talking about Asian people living in cultural areas like Chinatown. All right, no one said anything. Let the fucking chicks live there. And the translation between you and the waiter. Yeah. It's just such a fucking hassle. It's like, can you, I'm pointing at it. <laughs> like, this is the fucking yeah. waiter. Which actually, in the note of the video being out there in the world, when this story started to break, Gillis actually deleted all the videos from his YouTube channel. But, of course, copies were soon posted. There were clips all over the place. And so in those now not-so-secret podcasts, Gillis can be heard making comments about Latino people, Middle Eastern people, Jewish people. You also had people sharing a clip from a different podcast, where reportedly on May 27th, Gillis seemingly used slurs directed at Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang. Give me your next candidate, Dems. <laughs> Juju next. <laughs> Actually, they are running a juju. You also have people calling Gillis homophobic after uncovering a podcast where he repeatedly used an anti-gay slur. One of those instances, he uses the slur right after doing a caricatured Middle Eastern accent, all while criticizing comedians who talk about their depression and their stand-up routines. Those guys are fucking gayer than ISIS. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At least ISIS is out there like, for me, we need to get the pussy after we blow ourselves up. We get a bunch of pussy. <laughs> These white comics oh yeah <laughs> they're like i'm just sad because life's hard and like it turns out and i'm gay and with all of this happening with a co-owner of a comedy theater that gillis used to perform at telling vulture good good comedy theater stopped working with him within the past few years because of racist homophobic and sexist things he said on and off stage now later on thursday we saw gillis kind of apologize on twitter writing i'm a comedian who pushes boundaries i sometimes miss if you go through my 10 years of comedy most of it bad you're going to find a lot of bad misses i'm happy to apologize to anyone who's actually offended by anything i've said my intention is never to hurt anyone, but I'm trying to be the best comedian I can be, and sometimes that requires risks. Although, I will note, with those that were not happy with Gillis here, there were, there were criticisms because it's not like a lot of this was from 10 years ago, with a number of them being from the past two years, and notably the most recent, seemingly, at least according to reports, is that Andrew Yang clip from May. The main point, though, the reactions in the debate, they continued over the weekend until yesterday when you had SNL put out a statement saying, after talking with Shane Gillis, we have decided that he will not be joining SNL. We want SNL to have a variety of voices and points of view within the show, and we hired Shane on the strength of his talent as a comedian and his impressive audition for SNL. The language he used is offensive, hurtful, and unacceptable. We are sorry that we did not see these clips earlier and that our vetting process was not up to our standard. Right, so you had the show pulling Gillis's offer. You then had Gillis making another statement, writing, it feels ridiculous for comedians to be making serious public statements, but here we are. I'm a comedian who was funny enough to get SNL. That can't be taken away. Of course, I wanted an opportunity to prove myself at SNL, but I understand it would be too much of a distraction. I respect the decision they made, I'm honestly grateful for the opportunity. I was always a mad TV guy anyway. And among the people responding,
responding to this news, we saw former cast members and an SNL host chime in. You had Sandra Oh, who hosted the show earlier this year, saying, glad to see NBC SNL decision to not legitimize slash give platform to purveyors of racist homophobic content. Risks, lazy ass unoriginal. You also have the likes of David Spade talking about the outs with guests on his Comedy Central late night show. Notably there, you had those guests bringing up SNL's past history with racist skits, with them specifically referencing John Belushi portraying a samurai back in the 70s. In the 90s, you had Mike Myers playing a host on a Japanese game show skit where people cut off their fingers, and with Spade himself saying, I think when I was younger on SNL, when you get hired, the first uh, move wasn't to rifle through your past to make sure you get fired right away. You also had Rob Schneider, who was on the show in the 90s, saying, Dear Shane Gillis, as a former SNL cast member, I am sorry that you had the misfortune of being a cast member during this era of cultural unforgiveness, where comedic misfires are subject to the intolerable inquisition of those who never risked bombing on a stage themselves. Notably there, he was challenged by another user who wrote, but he knew what he was doing. He wasn't treading the line, he was crossing it. He was using derogatory and racist language on a public platform. He should accept the consequences and learn from it. To which Rob Schneider responded, I felt sad when I saw the but I was even more sad that he went there and it wasn't funny, just an ugly conversation. He has the right to say it, cancel culture is wrong, but people have the right to call racist things racist as well. And soon after adding, last thought on this. There's a difference between exposing truths through free speech and just being ugly. It's not okay to say racist things under the guise of comedy. Just because you have a mic in your hand doesn't make the racist things you say any less racist. Following those comments, we saw a number of users sharing old photos of Rob Schneider dressed as people from different cultures. Right, so people seemingly saying, who are you to criticize? Also, very notably, you had Andrew Yang jumping into the mix, with Yang saying on Twitter, Shane, I prefer a comedy that makes people think and doesn't take cheap shots, but I'm happy to sit down and talk with you if you'd like. I think we have, as a society, become excessively punitive and vindictive concerning people's statements and expressions we disagree with or find offensive. I don't think people should be losing jobs unless it's truly beyond the pale and egregious. And then also adding, it's also the case that anti-Asian racism is particularly virulent because it's somehow considered more acceptable. If Shane had used the N-word, the treatment would likely be immediate and clear. And it appears that that message may have resonated with Gillis because Yang has said that the two will be sitting down with each other. And so that's where we are right now. But with all of that said, I pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think it was right or SNL is smart in removing Gillis? Or do you think it's maybe hypocritical that SNL is getting rid of Gillis given their past? Or is it not because the sketches being referenced are decades old? Yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. I mean, I mean, as far as how this goes forward, I know that I've seen a lot of people cheering that Gillis isn't getting this job. They think that it's gonna be bad for his career. I really don't think so. This has potentially given him way more attention than he would have gotten as being kind of just one of the new guys on SNL. He's been gaining followers since this started, he could definitely ride this wave of people that see this as PC culture run amok. And I mean, I would honestly be surprised if this whole situation doesn't get him thrust onto the Joe Rogan experience and or maybe some other large podcast, but there, there's definitely gonna be an audience for him. Especially if other comedians like Tony Hinchcliffe, who has vouched for how funny Shane is, are correct. Yeah, I guess give it enough time, we'll see. But of course, once again, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Then in interesting internet slash mainstream business news, we had Lily Singh. And Lily Singh, if you don't know, is a longtime YouTube creator, a popular creator, and you may remember when we last reported on this, she got a late night show with NBC. And the reason we're talking about it today is that it launched last night. And as one might expect, there are a number of reactions. You know, we saw praise and support from a number of her fans, you know, excited that she was kind of shaking up late night, excited that because she's different from what we've seen from late night, she can tell different jokes. Also support from fellow creators like Timothy De La Ghetto, Adeline Marin, I Justine. You also had articles popping up like this one from the Metro with the headline, Lily Singh takes down the boys club in the premiere of her talk show a little late. Mashable giving us Lily Singh's feminist music video slays late night stereotypes on the first a little late. But at the same time, there was criticism of the show and content. With some of the top comments on the videos that they posted YouTube reading, wow, race bait much? This was disappointing, but more so disturbing. That was unfunny and extremely uncreative. Another writing and asking all the jokes are based on color on her first episode? Was it deliberately written by a saboteur?
more of hers, and then some who seemed supportive but felt like the content fell short. You know, as far as that content, it included kind of a, a skit and rap at the beginning. Hello, my name is Lily, and I ain't a white man. What's up? My skin got some color, and it ain't a spray tan. I know you used to only Jimmy's in the spotlight, but I'ma throw some melanin up in your late night. She also had an opening monologue. But I get it, because it's also tough for you. Listen. I understand that for some people, <clears throat> white people, <laughs> seeing someone like me host a show is terrifying. Hashtag not my Carson Daly. She also had Mindy Kaling on as a guest. I am so thrilled Thank to be your you. first guest. Only for you would I be here at 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> I don't know who's watching my child. Oh my God. And I don't care. Rain Wilson also hopped by. What is that? I don't recognize that sound. It's Birkenstocks. <laughs> Birkenstocks walking across the floor of an REI to go buy a Patagonia jacket. Uh. It's a white noise machine. Okay. Right, and I'll link to the videos they have up on their YouTube channel so you can come to your own conclusions based on the full content. But as far as my personal opinion on it, I I'm reserving it for the kind of first one to three months. But if you're a fan of late night shows, even, even daytime shows, where a show is now compared to where it started, it's usually vastly different. Right in the beginning, it's about one, introducing yourself, differentiating yourself from other people in the marketplace. Three, establishing the content or figuring out what works, what doesn't work, what feels more comfortable, authentic. Right, and I say that because I believe at this moment it could be incredibly easy to criticize something as being one note, but if you kind of pull back, right, the, the picture becomes bigger, I see this as kind of the, the first note in a much larger song. Granted, time may reveal that the song is one note, but I guess to kind of close out this analogy, I, I guess I'm just waiting for the beat to drop before I also drop an opinion. That said, from a just pure analytics, marketing, business standpoint, I am so fascinated. I mean, you had a lot of people kind of crapping on this show because they're like, it's on at 1.30 in the morning. It's not a big deal. But it really is. You know, yes, on TV, you're gonna have live viewership, but the, the whole system has evolved. You know, whether it be someone watching on TV, you know, they DVR it, when they wake up, they watch it, or YouTube. Probably the most symbiotic relationship we've seen evolve has been late night, and YouTube. I have watched more late night TV thanks to YouTube than ever before. They chop up the content, they upload it to YouTube, they give you the ultimate a la carte experience, each piece having the potential to blow up. With Lily Singh in this show, that is more apparent than ever since they actually premiered it on YouTube before it aired on TV. But yeah, I guess the main point here is I'm excited to see the successes and failures that stem from this and just how the ecosystem in general changes. And then let's talk about the big General Motors strike, which if you do not know is entering its second day. It is a very massive deal in the auto industry. And that's because in addition to there being nearly 50,000 employees that are striking and reports saying that that could cost the company up to $90 million a day. It's also because this is the first strike led by U.S. auto workers since 2007. Notably, that strike was also led by GM workers lasting about three days. But that said, as far as the strike now, which is taking place across dozens of factories and facilities in nine states, it reportedly started because over the weekend, GM and the United Automobile Workers Union couldn't settle on a collective bargaining agreement, and the UAW's vice president, Terry Detest, announced that they would not be extending the current agreement from 2015 that expired on Saturday night. And this report because the workers' requests were not met in their negotiations. And in a statement, he said, while we are fighting for better wages, affordable quality healthcare, and job security, GM refuses to put hardworking Americans ahead of their record profits of $35 billion in North America over the last three years. We are united in our efforts to get an agreement our members and their families deserve. Union leaders then met and planned a strike starting Sunday at midnight with employees demanding fair wages, affordable healthcare, their share of profits, job security, a defined path to permanent seniority for temps. And following the 
demands or the request, whatever you want to call it, GM responded. And in fact, on Sunday, they publicly shared this offer, which they said would give over $7 billion in investments and over 5,400 jobs. It would also boost wages and benefits with wage or lump sum increases in every year of the four-year contract and improved profit sharing formula and new coverage for things like autism therapy, chiropractic care, and allergy testing. But obviously, because we're talking about it today, GM workers, or at least the union, they still wanted more as they proceeded with the strike. With Detest adding in a statement, we stood up for General Motors when they needed us most. Now we are standing together in unity and solidarity for our members, their families, and the communities where we work and live. And yesterday we also saw GM saying that negotiations were back on the table with the UAW, with the company saying our goal remains to reach an agreement that builds a stronger future for our employees and our business. And with all of this happening, we've seen a fair amount of support behind the workers, with numerous politicians tweeting out, applauding the workers. We have the likes of Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeting, incredibly inspired by GM's almost 50,000 workers for having the courage to strike for the dignified work they deserve. In a time of record profits, workers should prosper, not suffer. That's why unions play a key role in an economy that works for everyone. Your Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang tweeted, unions and the UAW have been a force for worker equity and fair treatment for decades, even as our economy has grown more inhuman and punishing. GM should value its workers fairly and compensate them what they deserve. And I mean, as far as how the employees are doing now, because right, we talked about the, the consequence for the company, but there are consequences for the employees. For example, according to a Fox Business report, strikers have to wait until day 15 to receive their assistance pay, which is a pay that strikers can receive from the union while they're striking and not at their jobs. But a key note there is reportedly that comes to just $250 a week, which would barely cover rent in Detroit, which is the city that hosts a lot of GM's employees. And regarding that, one employee told Fox Business that the one thing that she's afraid of is that we might be here for a while and we can't make it on $250 a week. You know, GM might not want to budge. So I'm just here trying to prove a point. That's it. But ultimately, that's where we are with this story right now. It's gonna be interesting to see how long this strike will last. This, of course, has the potential to be devastating to both sides, obviously to different degrees. And so, of course, like with everything we talk about, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. And that's where I'm going to end today's show. And hey, if you like jumping into it with me today, let us know, hit that like button. Also, if you're new here, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Definitely click that bell to turn on notifications. Also, if you're not 100% filled in, you wanna watch some more, we got a brand new deep dive you can check out, or maybe you just missed yesterday's Philip DeFranco show you wanna catch up, you can click or tap right there to watch either those. But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces and I'll see you tomorrow.